This is Museum People, a podcast that celebrates individuals connected with the museum field by highlighting their work, passions, opinions, and personalities. In each episode, you'll hear stories and viewpoints from a variety of museum people, unsung workers to executive directors, volunteers to trustees, as they help change the world one visitor at a time. And now, the hosts of Museum People, Dan Yeager and Marika Van Dam. Well, Marika, it's a sad day in Museum People Land. Is it? Why? It's our last episode. Our last episode of the season. Of the season. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, I think, a uh, very moving one. We are interviewing a security guard. What's yeah. your experience with security guards well, in museums? Is, I'm so glad that we got this interview because there there was some feedback that we were, you know, or as we were discussing offline about who we wanted to interview, we thought, yeah, like there's there's a lot of people working in museums and um, there are people who are always around, but you don't think that, that you should interview them or think about right. them. And I think that Kathy really brings that out in this interview. Yeah. So security guards are the people that yell at you and hold you with suspicion the moment you walk in. You think? I don't necessarily always think that, but I think uh, a lot this of people your do. Own, this, is, this is your own. I haven't own. been yelled at. I mean, I, I don't go into museums with the intent to steal stuff, but as a museum person, I will often look and see, oh, how is that held? What is the um, the hydrothermograph saying? Like, those are the kinds of things that I want to know as a museum person. You know, I want to know um, behind the scenes how the sausage was made. So uh, I can see why I would be looked at with suspicion. Right. But I haven't been yelled at. I think the nature of security guards, though, are they're kind of like the police of the museum, and they most of the time wear uniforms, and there's that authority, and they are seen as uh, somewhat intimidating. Kathy yeah, humanizes yeah, yeah. it quite a bit. Right. I, I really enjoyed this interview. I'm wondering if we should just dive in, give Let's it a listen. It. Okay, here's Kathy. My name's Catherine McGoey, and... I've been a security guard at two art museums in Massachusetts for the past four years, and I'm a ceramic artist. A ceramic artist. Yes. Wow. <laughs> ceramic artist who's a security guard. There's got to be a backstory there somehow. Um, yeah, I, mean, I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts at MassArt in Boston, and when I graduated, I just wanted to work in a creative atmosphere. So I started working at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum as a gallery officer there. And Gallery you know, officer? That's <laughs> that the euphemism? That was the term. That was right. the term there. Um, <laughs> museum security is kind of funny, because I feel like at every museum you work at, there's a different name for the security department. Right. Like at the Harvard Art Museums, it's a museum attendant. At the ICA, it's, I think, Visitor Services Associate, or and they're very heavy with education, but... Well, why is that? <laughs> why, the, why the euphemism? They, they don't want to call it security? I mean, I feel like a lot of different museums have different goals for their security departments. Like, when I was at the Gardner Museum, it was very strictly, you protect the collection, you keep answers short, you know, try not to speak to visitors too long, which was impossible, because... Right. I mean, as I think a lot of people know the Gardner Museum doesn't have labels on the walls. Right. They have the visitor cards, but most of the time visitors just want a quick answer and they see the guard standing there. And, right. Yeah. You know, you have to become extremely knowledgeable about the collection. Otherwise, you're in trouble. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, absolutely. You want to make sure the visitor feels engaged with the artwork and you want to be able to give the answers. But Right. Well, do they train you then on like the visitor services aspect in addition to security? No, um, 
<laughs> like I kind of when I first started working there, I was just I was kind of thrown into it, um, and I had to learn as I went. Yeah. So I mean, when you're in security and you're there right when a museum opens, and most of the time visitors don't show up till an hour later, right. or, so you have that time to learn about the art for yourself, right. to read the labels, read the descriptions curators have written up about the exhibition so you can become more knowledgeable about it for the visitors. Right. So you, you've memorized the cards in each of the rooms <laughs> and you know which pieces are which? Yeah. Much, yeah. I mean, you have like a lot of time when you're a guard to help visitors, but also become knowledgeable about the collections right. and the galleries. So is Harvard a little different? Do they encourage you to actually talk with the visitors? They want you to know where paintings are located, where sculptures are located, um, just to help visitors. But as far as providing, like, I don't know, my own opinions about artworks, that's usually discouraged. Visitors are yeah, interested. Right. Don't they ask you what's your favorite piece, right? Yeah. That must be the number one question. It's one of the number one questions next to where's the bathroom. But, <laughs> you know, like, visitors are kind of interested in, I think, just what guards think about all day and, like, what their favorite artworks are because they are in those galleries for sometimes four or more hours a day. Right. So... What do you think about? <laughs> Tell us. We're dying um, to know. Oh man, um, I feel like every guard is different, but I think just coming from an art background and being an artist, I do think a lot about just the artwork itself when I'm in there. Sometimes I like to like animate the paintings in my mind, like if I imagined that like still moment in a painting moving just to like help pass the time or sometimes i'd like to finish paintings in my mind like add more <laughs> things to paintings <laughs> or add speech bubbles to paintings like um, speech bubbles yeah. like what? what who's saying what <laughs> like they recently in, at harvard they put up this painting of apples and one of the impressionist galleries i made the apples say like we need to stop comparing ourselves to oranges <laughs> So, like, you know, you, you find ways to, like, entertain yourself when you're in there. Like, a lot of the guards are artists or musicians that needed yeah. a day job and wanted to work in that creative atmosphere. So we have guards that are musicians that, you know, write songs in their head or yeah, yeah. writers that memorize poems and, <laughs> like, try to work on memorizing those in the galleries and, like, reciting them in your head just to pass the time because <laughs> some days can be really slow. In some ways, you guys must be the ultimate museum goers, right? Because you're just spending hours in there and you internalize the art. Does the curatorial staff ever ask your opinion on things? <laughs> um, I would say we're more in touch with the conservation department because uh -huh. we are there to protect the collection and sometimes visitors do damage artworks so yeah. we have to write these reports and be in conversation with the conservation department because we are the witnesses so right. we know like exactly how something happened and they usually consult us um for that type of thing what's but the most egregious thing you've ever seen a visitor <laughs> do um god <laughs> any statues tipped over I haven't seen a statue tipped over, but when I was at the Gardner Museum, I think the worst thing I saw was, and it was completely accidental, a visitor tripped over a rope stanchion and landed on a rug <laughs> that John Singer Sargent had given Isabella Stewart Gardner as a gift. Right. And, like, she landed on it and, like, I think bit her lip and bled on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then used, like, a chair from the 14th century to, like, get herself up. So it was just like a lot happening at once. <laughs> like, that is an epic fail, yeah, I guess, yeah. right? 
Have you seen any selfie incidents? I understand that that's a big concern in museums, people taking selfies around the Mona Lisa or wherever. Is that a big thing where people are shooting shots? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get the museum I currently work at. We don't allow selfie sticks just for that reason. But, you know, I see a lot of visitors coming in and taking selfies, like using paintings and sculptures as backdrops for their, you know, newest facebook profile picture or like and you know i think that's something that's changed a lot like at the gardner museum we didn't allow photographs around the collection so that wasn't something i really saw on a daily basis as much as at harvard art museums so you have to like confiscate phones and that kind of thing from people (laughs) no no i mean i just tell them like you know just turn the flash off it's like a fair mix like there are visitors that come in and you know just spend two seconds looking at a painting but then five minutes taking pictures with it or then there's the visitors that you know don't take out their phone the entire time they're there they're just there to appreciate the paintings and artwork for what it is at that moment so how about pokemon go (laughs) you know like a couple like i think it was a week ago one of our galleries became like a lure spot and like (laughs) i was in that gallery and suddenly it's usually pretty quiet and then there was suddenly 20 people in there, and I was like, what's going on? And I noticed everyone was on their phone trying to, like, <laughs> catch a Pokemon. I don't personally play the game, but it's been interesting seeing how museums are kind of taking advantage of that game yeah. for viewer engagement. What's your opinion? Should um, people be doing it or not? <laughs> it brings in, I, I think, more diversity. Like, maybe people that wouldn't necessarily walk into the museum but go there because they see a Pikachu or, you know, and maybe they'll, while they're in there catching Pokemon, actually stop and look at the artwork that's there. Is that your job then to get them to look up? I can't personally, like, approach them and say, hey, get off your phone. (laughs) Like, look at this beautiful Van Gogh, but I'm more a fly on the wall. So fly on the wall. I would love to know, what are some of the things that you hear museum visitors say well it's just like a mix of things like i've heard a lot of really nice intellectual conversations and simultaneously i've heard someone like just give completely wrong information about a piece and i have to bite my tongue because i don't want to like approach them and like prove them wrong but like at the same time it's like oh my god this isn't true at all (laughs) like just a variety of conversations a lot of them you know Sometimes I would hear visitors just, you know, they're just there to walk around and catch up with a friend and they don't necessarily look at the artworks. It's just a space to be in. Yeah. Do a lot of people uh, come into the galleries with uh, sort of opinions formed or a knowledge base or anything? Or are there most people that walk in completely surprised about what's in there? I feel like the majority of the time people are really surprised. Like when I worked at the Gardner Museum, people kind of just expected just a mess <laughs> like from this like from what they've heard just of like this woman collected thousands of objects and put them in her house but then they walk in and see this gorgeous courtyard and mm. like everything is placed very specifically at least to her you know vision and then at the harvard art museums because it is a university art museum i think people weren't expecting such an incredible collection there mm. like we have a world-renowned impressionist collection there's like several van goghs picassos renoirs like i could just look at the checklist for top impressionist artists and yeah. like it's like we have it all <laughs> right so i think that's a comment i get a lot is people just saying wow <laughs> when yeah. they walk in right. it's like not expected Do you feel a great degree of responsibility being there to protect those artworks? I mean, I do. Um, I think a lot of the guards do take a lot of pride in (laughs) protecting cultural heritage and Mm -hmm. just history. Have you ever felt particularly your spidey senses tingle, you know, radar going off, this is not a safe situation or something is sort of not quite right? 
Yeah, I mean, you learn a lot about just reading people's body language when you're a guard, and you literally just look at people all day. So mm -hmm. you can kind of get a good sense when someone walks in if, you know, if it's like a little kid and, you know, her parents are kind of absent and she's just like running around crazy, mm. you know, that's someone you have to watch. Or there have been instances where we have had, oh, sketchy, like, yeah. like visitors come in and kind of act strangely, like, I've been verbally assaulted multiple times mm -hmm. by visitors. Like, How so? Um, I mean, I think the worst thing that happened to me was I was like literally like spit in the face and called mentally ill because I asked someone where their admission ticket was. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, at that moment, like, you know, I obviously I called my manager and that person was escorted out. You know, at the Harvard Art Museums, it's the courtyard itself is open to the public. Anyone can come in and out. There's no security checkpoint there, which is mm -hmm. kind of interesting. So, like, we are kind of the first point of contact, and people can kind of just wander into our galleries. And it's a lot of just, you know, making sure everyone's safe and, right. you know, speaking up if we do feel something is strange. Yeah. When you were at the Gardner Museum, was there a particular resonance given the thefts? I mean, is that something that the security guards sort of live with? every day almost the fact that that terrible thing happened all that was many years ago yeah i mean like i feel like that was a daily question yeah. i got when i was a guard I was like well tell me show me where the stolen paintings are and i'm like well the frames are over there <laughs> you know hmm. but yeah i think i got asked a lot more about museum theft obviously at the gardner museum because of what had happened there in 1990 right so more so than at my current workplace right do you feel that guards are under suspicion because of what happened there in general? I don't think so. I mean, visitors kind of sprout their conspiracy theories right. at you, and you kind of just have to nod and be like, okay, that's like your opinion, or, you know, since it is still like an unsolved thing, so. Do you think it'll ever be solved? I hope so. <laughs> There's some nice paintings there. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I have my hopes up. Do you have a theory? Do you have your own conspiracy theory? While well, I had a lot of time in my own head at that museum to think about those things, I don't think I've created my own conspiracy theory. You I'm know just, who done it? Who done in, it? No. No. <laughs> How does your ceramics artistry contribute to your daily existence right now? <laughs> I mean, I'm currently working out of the Harvard Ceramics Studio. Mm -hmm. um, since so I work, you do practice? Yeah, I, I'm trying to keep up with it. Um, it's is kind that of, a perk of the job that you can work in the studios there? Yeah, it is. Um, and I'm very lucky, I think, to work at a museum that has that perk. <laughs> mm. um, when I worked at the Gardner Museum, I was working at a different studio, like quite a ways away. And it's difficult when you work full time to try to find that balance right. between doing what you love and <laughs> like, but also having like the day job. And but I think they both inform each other and kind of. You know, the, at least in a creative sense, we just opened this new um, ceramic show of like ancient Chinese pottery, mm -hmm. and that has recently inspired my work that I've been doing in the studio, as far as like the forms that they had and the type of underglaze work that they were doing. I think really? it's nice That's when you're at least like a creative and you work in a museum field, and yeah. especially when you get to be in the galleries all day, you're just constantly inspired. <laughs> and so it's just it doesn't get boring or tiring for you. I mean, there are days where it can, you know, but, you know, on those slow days, you can kind of just spend all day looking at one painting and finding something new. 
yeah. which is also just beneficial to the security job itself because you know there have been guards that have noticed new cracks form in paintings really? <laughs> like, yeah, or so if they weren't there to witness maybe somebody touching a frame and then they notice there's like a little crack in the wood of the frame that wasn't there before so right. yeah there are so benefits you're, you're there. The <laughs> early early warning system mm-hmm. for that kind of a thing the moments when you're alone in a gallery with the art what are you feeling Hmm. Well, when I was working at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in the early mornings, it was really nice because it was all naturally lit. So you were just getting that early morning light. And if you're on, like, I was on a second floor in the Dutch room, and Rembrandt's self portrait is there that he did, I think, when he was 23 years old, and I was 23 at the time. So, like, Hmm. it was just kind of nice to, like, look at something he had done early in his career, like a painting he had made to show possible patrons of his work that he was a talented artist and, mm-hmm. you know, have conversations with Rembrandt in the morning, say, hey, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. good to see you again. <laughs> like, so what's the future hold for you? I'm not sure at the moment. <laughs> um, I, I don't necessarily want to stay in museum security much longer. I feel like in a lot of ways it's a professional dead end. Um, How so? <laughs> um, well... Just being working in museums for four years, I've kind of gotten an idea of just what it takes to work in a museum, and they're like, they're, I think security departments in general, at least from my own experience, kind of experience this, like, another wall you have to break through of people's ideas of what they think your job is. Mm-hmm. In what way? I mean, like, just from, like, when visitors have told me and, um, or just, like, asked me, like, so what do you do all day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think... Kind of judgmentally like that? Like, a little bit judgmental and, like, you know, when I've applied for jobs outside of the museum field and they see that I've been a guard for four years, I think they assume that I must enjoy taskless work, mm. something that's typically seen as boring. Oh, she must have taken this job because she enjoys what's considered or looked at as lazy work (laughs) really um yeah so i feel like that's an issue that i've had to deal with (laughs) and i'm sure other people may be in the field as well um Mm -hmm. like when i've applied for jobs in the creative industry like outside of the museum field i have removed two years of being a guard from my resume and i've gotten more callbacks really um and i yeah so that was like a little experiment I, you know, did for myself just to see what the results would be. And and why do you think that's the case that people judge things like that? Um, I mean, it's a job that is kind of hard to describe to people. It's on the bottom tier of the museum world. Like mm-hmm. we are the simultaneously invisible, but also the most public face of the museum. So. And I think it's just a job that, with it, comes a lot of stereotypes of, like, you know, the sleeping guard in the gallery mm. or, you know. But in reality, from what I've seen, it's probably one of the most diverse departments I've seen, at least in mm-hmm. the two museums I've worked in. You have recent art school graduates. You have people that are maybe in the middle of their career change. You have retired people. You have people that were hoping that by joining the security department, they could move up in the museum field if, mm-hmm. you know... They made the connections when they were there. But I think there is like that wall there, that kind of class wall, but also just 
trying to convince them that it's not this stereotype of the guard. <laughs> what do you? What would you do to change the perception? Well, actually, when I was like two months ago, I put on a staff art show of the frontline staff at the Harvard Art Museums. Hmm. Um, as part of their Arts First Festival, I thought it would be a good opportunity just to showcase the guards and the cafe staff and the visitor services staff in a right. way that our fellow museum colleagues don't necessarily see on a daily basis. So, right. you know, I was able to rent out a space on campus and we were, I had probably 30 artists come forward, most of them from the security department, but we had a fair share from visitor services and the cafe staff as well. And, you know, I got a lot of comments from people in curatorial and conservation just like saying you know how great it looked and it was nice to see this other side because i think we're kind of seen as robots sometimes (laughs) you know um so it was important to me that my coworkers and i you know were to come together and kind of like we like i said we don't really have task-based work so it was like something that we could all work towards together yeah and it ended up being a great show (laughs) so i was really proud of everyone my podcast co-host, Marika, she believes we're in a worker revolution right now. And we are seeing this where there's a great degree of, uh, I think, activism on the part of museum workers. There's a hashtag museum workers speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've been following and, them yeah, just recently on so Facebook. How do you so feel about that? I mean, I think it's really important that, you know, these kind of unsung workers have a voice mm. and, you know, try to work together. In, you know, I think a lot of museums are talking a lot about diversity in museums and how to do that. And I don't think anyone really has a clear answer hmm. at the moment. Like, it's kind of this new thing that people are trying to navigate. You know, as the debate with unpaid internships is huge. The debate with the museum studies program is obviously huge as well. Yeah. And I think people are just trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> and, like, I've learned that if you want to work in a museum, you kind of have to be a bit strategic with the positions you take mm-hmm. and you know i i guess i took it as a more of an old school approach like if i just you know joined in at the bottom rung and kind of right. you know proved that i could be professional and that i'm a nice person <laughs> like you know i have these skills that i don't necessarily get to show in my day job you know maybe i could work my way up in a museum but i think it's kind of a tough battle for a lot of frontline staff hmm. So you're a little disillusioned? Um, maybe slightly. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know. I I think my next job would probably be outside of a museum. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like I could talk your ear off <laughs> about, like... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. Um, but, like I said before, like, you know, museums want to practice more diversity and i feel like they would just have to look at their frontline staff if mm-hmm. they really wanted to at least start moving forward with that because like these are workers that could have chosen to stand anywhere else or you know rip tickets anywhere else or like serve coffee anywhere else but they chose your museum for a reason mm-hmm. and maybe some of them you know they're fine with that but i think just from talking with my coworkers, a lot of them were hoping to move up in the field you know, in our security department, we all wear a uniform, and I think sometimes we're kind of just seen as one mass of mm-hmm. people. It's like not, we're not really seen as individuals as much as I would like. <laughs> right. Has the practice of security changed over the years? Do you find yourself being trained in new 
new uh, methods, new concerns, active shooters. I mean, all of these things that are changing in our society, there must be something that you keep up with. Yeah, I mean, we've been trained in active shooter training, which I think is a relatively new occurrence with what's been happening in the news past, you know, few years, especially. And since we are on a school campus, I think that it's like a high risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like it's different with a lot of museums, what they expect from their security staff. Like I know at the ICA, the security staff, they don't wear a uniform, they wear, they wear all black, and but they're also expected to memorize like a giant packet mm-hmm. every time a new exhibition comes in so that they are they are also museum educators right. on top of being guards. But then at like <laughs> you know at the Harvard Art Museums or the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, the guards are strictly guards. Mm-hmm. But that also occasionally do take on this museum education role. When you go to visit museums, I presume you visit museums in your yes. off hours. <laughs> do you talk to the security guards? Um, I do. Like you say, "Hey, I'm one of you." Yeah. Do you? <laughs> I mean, like you flash them the sign. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I do talk to them, like, at the ICA and, you know, th- at the Museum of Fine Arts. If I'm looking for something, they're always so knowledgeable. Hmm. So I and do who, talk to them, yeah. <laughs> which museum has the gold standard for security in your mind? I feel like the ICA, maybe, because they also prize education with their guards, and they make that a priority. And they're, like, responding to the public, I suppose, hmm. because the public does ask guards a lot of the time about the artwork on display and like explain this minimalist piece or you know like what was the artist thinking when they made this um as opposed to like other museums i've seen where you know they don't know because they haven't been trained and maybe the museums don't necessarily see the purpose because i mean i think that's something i would like to see more at least with museums and how they try to have a mission for their security department like because you have some really knowledgeable people Mm -hmm behind those clip-on ties and yeah. like you know <laughs> like our brains aren't really exercised right. and just dying to use them you have yeah i mean you have people with bfas and some people with masters of fine arts and art history that yeah. are working as security guards because right. the industry is so insanely competitive yeah. and you know maybe they thought that if they took in this you know kind of job on the bottom just to do the not so glamorous work first you know that would be something that's appreciated do you think should security guards should be unionized I think, I mean, the museum I currently work at, we are in a union. You are? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think unions are important because the job itself is um, obviously 100% necessary, but, you know, people can be easily switched out. Mm-hmm. So if, I think unions are great for the museum security, but, you know, I feel like it would be nice to see it in all fields. Um because I've seen guards fired for really no good reason. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, maybe it was because the director of security thought they were too old or, you know, just, like, not really legitimate reasons <laughs> to let someone go from a position. Right. Um, Have you met Martha Dodaski yet? I haven't, no. <laughs> but I know she's the new director, and... She just started, but I've seen her coming in on weekends, which is kind of nice because that's like our busiest time. Um, so I think she's trying to get an idea on the visitors that come in. So so if you could take her spot for one day, what sort of changes would you make in the museum and in the structure <laughs> and in your job and whatever? Um, 
I think I would hire more people from the community. I mean, like people that grew up in Somerville and Cambridge and Boston that mm. have you know been coming to the museum since they were kids and love the museum for what it is. Don't necessarily have those un- unpaid internships, mm-hmm. you know, under their belt, um, but just have the desire and love of the work and want to, you know, be in that field. I think that's what I would do. Um, like, you know, just try to focus on bringing in more members of the community. Right. Because that's what the museum is there for, is to reach out to the community and bring this, these community members in. And I think if you have people working from that community for the museum, they have an eagle-eye view of what the community needs. So right. yeah. I think that's what I would do. <laughs> well, thanks, Kathy. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Thank you for having me. things that Kathy's interview though really made me aware of is just this there's a bias against security guards in so many ways you know people are either scared of them to talk of the, about them or they assume that they're they're lazy uh, they assume that there's really not much happening upstairs they assume that it's you know sort of this grunt position and she really revealed the depths of a lot of security guards. For example, a lot of folks are artists and this is their day job. And there's a great degree of creativity. Listening to her describe that was heartbreaking to me. Um, You know, uh, it's that frontline staff that is so important, so important to the public and their impression of your organization. And yet here we are, you know, paying them minimum wage, giving them crappy hours, not including them as, quote, real members of staff. Right. And it's it's so wrong. And and also, it, it really made me think, as someone who's in a position to hire someone, you know, how do how do we view that when we see a resume? Right. And, you know, this, this came out, I think, when we were talking with the Yeps a few episodes ago about their experiences. experiences and I think Scarlett brought it up about how, you know, if you're a museum guard and you just want to get the next thing, mm-hmm. just get that next job, whereas some people can be a little more choosy. But, man, there's only so many jobs in museums right. as you get up, higher, full-time, benefits, you know, creative autonomy, et cetera. And there are a lot of people who want to work in this creative, creative atmosphere. Yeah. And it's hard, as Kathy describes, it's hard. They, not only do you have to face a lot, but the competition is fierce. Well, and, and I think that, the, you know, again, the stigma being, what, what do you think of her comment that she's wiped off two years of her life off of her resume so that she uh, can perhaps be more competitive? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I think yeah. a lot of people do that because you often, you're working part-time because that's all you can do at a museum. Right. So you're also working part-time at the local bookstore or wherever, and you, no. have, to, you have to erase that. Well, do you think that she was naive to have this, idea that uh, is 
comes down through our culture, which is you climb the ladder, you do certain things, you're a nice person, you move up the ladder, and good things happen to good people. That's, that, an, that's an outdated model. Yeah. That's not Well, what's she's working. discovered that now. Yeah, it's sad. The hard way. Well, the other thing that I was thinking, the stigma, is that when she was working at the Gardner Museum, how people would come in and sort of look at her as a security guard with the notion that you're part of this crew that actually perpetrated the the robbery which you know was, was the uh, the, the acquisition heist. yeah the gardener heist and so that's uh, you know another another stigma you have to confront so, i i think that one of the things though that she said that i thought was really resonant was something to the effect that there are there there are people that have a lot to say or have a lot of brains behind those clip-on ties. And I think that some of the imagery that she used was that, you know, they all wear uniforms, they all kind of look the same, they're not seen as individuals. And it comes out, you know, so that strata question really shows there where there's, it's sort of a, you know, a job that just by the the nature of what they do, how they're treated, what they wear, they're they're felt they're they're feeling a little bit disconnected, alienated from the main museum culture. And by the flip side, she th- put on that art exhibition of the art of security guards and cafeteria workers and frontline staff that was well received. And you could just tell the joy in her voice when the curators said, "Hey, this really looks great." You know, I mean, she was validated. Totally. That was a brilliant idea. And that came out of what she saw as a problem, right? She saw that we are not being treated like, like people. We have, uh, we have assets that could benefit this organization if we all understood each other better. Um, and Well, that's a result of the organization saying, here's how we want you to be. Right. And I've just noticed how, you know, you go to a museum and there's a security guard and how I feel if they – if you look at them in the eye and say hello and they say hello or whoever instigates the right. hello yeah. makes such a difference if it even happens at all. Yeah. And it just, it clears the air. It's not like I want to have conversations, you know, I'm there to yeah. experience right. the museum and, um, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. But just, just knowing that they're not going to automatically yell at me because they already smiled at me. Yeah. Right. That's huge. Well, would you be inclined to go to a security guard and ask their opinion of the art? No, but I can see how people would. Right. And that's great. It would be great, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why I got to... So I've been to the ICA, and I've noticed that, and I've noticed that the people there, I had never really recognized that they were, quote, guards. I always thought they were just really friendly visitor services people. And, you know, do you have any questions? I think they approach you with, you know, do you have any questions? And, you know, can I help you with whatever? And it turns out those are the guards. I think it's brilliant. No, it makes a lot more sense. I wonder sense. how many museums do that. I don't know how many museums It should be a trend. Do it should I do, be a trend. Because I thought that that was something. Because it really certainly plugs in the folks that are at the front line. It makes it blurs the line between security and, and the front line staff. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was so moving was when I asked her about, like, what's it like being in the galleries alone early morning? And she came up with this very poetic moment. You could almost just see it and feel it where she would enter the gallery at the Gardner Museum and she indicated that she was 23 years old and Rembrandt was 23 when he painted his self-portrait there. And she had this relationship with that portrait that came out. She'd say, you know, how's it going today? Or good to see you again or something like that. And that was was incredible. It is great. And I think that 
when people think about working in museums, those are the moments that they that they want. And they think, oh, you're so lucky to have those intimate experiences with that art or with those spaces. And it's true. And I think she does appreciate them. But when you do it every day, and she talks about the boredom and and having to invent in her own mind, (laughs) right, the (laughs) the ways to cope, you can see how that would would turn. Um, Yeah, we've all had jobs like that that have been filled with monotony. And it can turn something that is wonderful into something that can be a bit of a drag. Yeah, but she said that she was inspired, too. She's a working artist, and she uh, gained inspiration with the ceramic show that they had there. And some of her work actually started you know, taking on new dimensions. So she, she finds ways to cope. She's yeah. clearly a bright lady and has got a lot to, uh, to say. It's, it dawned on me, though, that museum guards are the ultimate museum visitors in some ways because they just spend so much time there they absorb things and i asked her whether the curators come down and actually ask them questions about what they think and she said she implied that they didn't it was more the conservation people because they see cracks and whatever do you think that the curators should be talking to the security guards everybody should be talking to each other of course that's the that's the thing we assume that they don't have the knowledge to share with us about anything. We make those assumptions about all of our coworkers, yeah. but that's the whole point. We're all focused on our own little individual areas, and we should be speaking to each other more yeah. and sharing that. Well, how, how much money do, and, and effort do museums put into doing visitor surveys and focus right. groups and you know outreach to find out what their audience is saying about them? Hey, all you got to do is go talk to the security or they're eavesdropping, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I know. And, and uh, Kathy described that. She hears yeah. about why. You know, she knows why people are visiting. She can right. just look at them as soon as they walk yeah. in the door and say, oh, they're having a bad day. They need some nice quiet or they want to see their favorite artwork or they're here to be friends and it's just or photograph their facebook pages yeah no it, i think it's wouldn't it be great here's here's an idea for all you museum people out there get a security guard get a frontline person and have them talk at your next board meeting mm. about their experiences yeah it's interesting that as we're wrapping up season two uh, with this episode i'm realizing that a lot of our conversations during this season have been around uh, museum work. And um, so I'm feeling as though we're just exploring these issues right now. I think we're just now starting to recognize that some of these things are issues with people. People have had enough of the stratification of our museums, perhaps, and we're starting to hear a little bit more about that. The museum workers are starting to shake their sabers a little bit and say, you know, we're we're here. We need to address some of these things. And um, maybe season three, we're going to perhaps explore that a little bit more and perhaps help find solutions. Well, as usual, museums are mirroring what is happening in the larger world. Yeah. Which is appropriate. Right. That's why we're here. I had fun during this season, though. I did. did. Yeah, Let's pat been, ourselves on the it's back. It's been very fun. I continue to appreciate the hard work you put into it, Dan. I well, just get to show up and you talk. Too. Oh, come on. You <laughs> get to do the editing. <laughs> you do, too. And... Um, also, big thanks to NEMA for all your institutional support. Yeah, I do have to thank NEMA for supporting this. Um, the board seems to be very, very much behind it. And, of course, that's uh, that's the big measure of success, I guess, for a director to have the board uh, allow you to have the time to do this. I don't feel it's a side project, though. This is really at the heart of what we do. We're engaging folks, and I'm, I'm very pleased with that. I love just 
hearing about all these people I don't know about yeah, when right. you go out on your adventures and you gather them. And I also, of course, love interviewing my friends and people I yeah, admire. So yeah. um, we hope to continue that. And I we we want to hear from people that we don't know yeah. that are brand new, young people, old people, people coming in, people leaving. Right. We want to hear about it all. Yeah. So as we start thinking about season three, and there will be a season three, I think we decided that. Sure. Right? Yeah. Why not? Uh probably shoot for some time in the winter to uh, release that but if you all out there have some ideas for folks that would be very interesting on museum people we want to hear from you and yeah. and subjects and topics absolutely right keep all that coming and if you enjoy this podcast please consider donating to nema ah that's so nice we don't we haven't accepted any money and we do this um yeah. you know at the at the grace of our institution so um NEMA's uh, an amazing organization and you know it if you are a part of it and if you aren't a part of it why not so thanks for listening everyone yeah you're doing great work please continue we change, love you change the world folks we'll see you next year Museum People is a production of the New England Museum Association, which connects, inspires, and empowers cultural institutions to provide their communities with deep and authentic experiences. Have an idea or comment for Museum People? Go to nemanet.org slash museumpeople to provide feedback, get information about episodes, and learn how to subscribe. Thanks for listening.